at the table for everyone warm, clean water and bread. A shelter, a space, a safe place for growing for everyone warm, a star overhead. And Creators of justice and joy, compassion and peace. Yes, God will delight when we are creators of justice, justice and joy. and for all a place at the table a voice to be heard a part in the song the hands of a child in hands that are wrinkled for young and for old the of justice and joy, compassion and peace. Yes, God will delight when we are creators of justice, justice and joy, 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 joy. at the table to live without fear and simply to be to work to speak out to witness and worship for everyone born the right to be free and God will delight when we are created of justice and joy, compassion and peace. Yes, God will delight when we are creators of justice, justice and joy, justice and joy, justice and joy. Alan Klein singing today, accompanied by Vance Music Director, Mrs. Debbie Briding. Thank you so much. <laughs> Reading today from the Wisdom Book of Proverbs, the 22nd chapter and the first verse. 
A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. The rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. Whoever sows injustice will reap calamity, and the rod of anger will fail. Those who are generous are blessed, for they share their bread with the poor. Do not rob the poor because they are poor or crush the afflicted at the gate. For the Lord pleads their cause and despoils of life those who despoil them. Then we return to the chapter of, to the gospel of Mark, the seventh chapter. We're going to start in the 24th verse today. There are some things you need to remember and understand that the placement of this text seems to be very, very important to the Gospel of Mark. Remember that Jesus has just been criticizing the hypocrisy of the Pharisees because the Pharisees think that it's what goes in your body that defiles you, and Jesus says, no, instead, it's what comes out of your heart that defiles you, and you hypocrite Pharisees don't understand that. You're so rule-bound that there's nothing in your hearts. You must change your hearts. And then today we get the story of the Syrophoenician woman where Jesus actually changes his heart toward the woman. But it's followed by a story where Jesus touches a deaf man's ears and says, be opened so that you may receive healing. The placement of these texts, one right after the other, is not a coincidence. And so here we start in the seventh chapter of Mark at the 24th verse. From there, Jesus set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there, yet he could not escape notice. And a woman whose little daughter was uncle- had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him, and she came and bowed down at his feet. Now, the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician origin, She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And then he said to her, For saying that, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. So she went home and found the child lying on the bed, and the demon had gone. Then Jesus returned from the region of Tyre and went by way of Sidon toward the Sea of Galilee in the region of Decapolis. They brought him to a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. 
Jesus took the man aside in private, away from the crowd, and put his finger into his ear and spat and touched his tongue and looked up to heaven and sighed and said, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And immediately the man's ears were opened and his tongue was released and he spoke plainly. Then Jesus ordered them to tell no one, but the more he ordered them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. They were astounded beyond measure, saying, he has done everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. first part of this text is difficult for people to understand because Jesus comes off looking, quite frankly, like a big jerk. Jesus calls the Syrophoenician woman, the Gentile woman, the foreign woman, a racial slur. He calls her a dog, which to our ears doesn't sound bad, but to a Jew's ears is one of the worst things you could I suppose calling her a pig would be worse, but calling her a dog is very bad. It's very unclean. This is a word not as bad as the infamous N-word would be in our culture, but bad nonetheless. This is what Jesus our Lord and Savior says to this woman. And why is he doing that? Now, I I must tell you that I noticed something in this text that I have never noticed before, which is that he had gone to Tyre to be away from people. He had gone there to retreat, to be on his own, to have silence, to be able to rejuvenate himself, to rest. And she, that upstart woman, interrupted that rest. Some of you have heard me talk. I said it in Bible school. I'm currently living with a person who does not believe in the concept of rest. You know that I am not a morning person. I don't particularly care for them. And I like to ease into my mornings gently. Not be blasted by loud people who don't wear their hearing aids. Or walkers banging up against door frames. I like to ease into my morning, not be pushed off a cliff into it. And I think that's part of what's going on here, really. I think Jesus gets annoyed because he wants to rest in this whole 
book to this point, Jesus has tried to get away from people on many occasions and has not been able to do it because he's had compassion on the people and the crowds and he's wanted to follow them or help them or heal them or preach to them wherever they go. And so he has not had an opportunity to rest. And this woman comes to this place where he's supposed to be in private and is begging him to heal her daughter. It's exhausting. Just please go away, woman. And still she persisted. And begs more, even after he calls her a dog. Now, many people who are biblical scholars and study this text think this is the point where Jesus changed his mind about what his mission was. Jesus' mission was to come and save the Jews, the chosen people of God. But here, the Syrophoenician woman, because of her persistence in faith, convinces Jesus... to turn to all the world, not just the chosen people of God. Perhaps. There is biblical evidence for that in the Hebrew Testament. Several places in the Old Testament, God changes God's mind. Once God is meeting Moses and God is so angry with Moses, God wants to kill Moses and yet in the faith that Moses has, the text says very clearly, God changed God's mind. So perhaps, perhaps, this Syrophoenician woman in her persistence, begging for the life of her child, changes Jesus' mind. to all people receiving salvation. Remember what I said about the placement of this text? The first part of this chapter, Jesus is rebuking hypocrites for their their hypocrisy. You fools, you don't live out the gospel. You don't live out the law of God the way that God has told you to. Enter the woman. Jesus changes his mind and heals her daughter. The demon leaves that little one. Is it possible that Jesus sees in the midst of this his own hypocrisy in rejecting A woman who is a social outcast, a non-Jew, a foreigner, poor, perhaps widowed, no means to care for her child? Well, then we get the next story. A disabled man comes to Jesus 
Also one who would be rejected by society, deaf, not hearing, and what we used to call in the days before political correctness, dumb, not speaking with an impediment in speech. And again, Jesus takes this man to private, into, the, into, into privacy. He takes him aside so that nobody will see, and yet people see so many that he tells them don't tell anybody when he's done. Jesus looks at this man after having rebuked the hypocrites and changing his mind about what his mission is and what his miracles shall be and touches this man's ears and unlike any other place in Mark, he speaks and says, be open. Be open. Now, of course, that very well might literally mean to the man, be open in your ears. If you ever had a clogged ear, you know what a relief it is when that finally unclogs and your ears are opened and you can hear again. But could it be that when Jesus is saying To the man, he's also saying in this series of texts where he rebukes hypocrisy, changes his own mind, and then comes upon a man who is disabled and outcast in society, where he says, be opened, could it possibly mean be open to a new vision of God and God's people that you have never seen before? Be open. Open your ways to what God has in store for you. And then watch what happens in the rest of this text. It's fabulous. It's fabulous because Jesus says to the people, shh, don't tell anybody what you just saw. Shh. It's my secret. Shh. And the people are so excited about the notion of being open to God's vision and the fact that Jesus has brought healing and miracles into their midst that they can't stop telling people about it. We got people in this church that say to me, I I don't do evangelism. Don't ask me. I don't do evangelism. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Some of them are the most giving people I've met here. They're all over doing mission. Let's serve the community. I don't do evangelism. I got to tell you, not as a pastor, not as a preacher, not even as a church leader, but just as a Christian person? I don't understand that. I I don't get it. 
Like, if you see God moving in your life, moving in other people's lives, moving in the midst of this church, moving in our community, why would you not want to tell people about that? By the way, that's what evangelism is. It's not like some big program where we, you know, celebrate people or you have to go out and we, we, you know, we mark the chart for you to say that you brought three saved people in today or whatever. It's telling people what God has done good in your life. We're talking to a woman this week who's new to a church. She really likes it. She's very excited about being a part of it. She's hooked in with the kids' ministry there. and It's really involved. And I said to her, how'd you get here? And she told me her whole life story, which is not what I expected to hear, but I'll listen, right? And she had gone through a lot of spiritual seeking in her life. She actually was raised in a Presbyterian church, which I found fascinating. And she went to the Mount and at one point wanted to be Catholic, but the priests and the folks there wouldn't entertain her requests. And so she kind of moved on. In her early 30s, she explored Islam significantly and spent a lot of time in Pittsburgh exploring Islam and came back here and was involved in a church. And at that time, she was working in a local nonprofit. And she said to the church, you have all these opportunities to volunteer. Can I start a group that would help volunteer in my not-for-profit? And they said no. And she said, well, why not? And they gave her some answers. And she said, well, then could I just put up something on the bulletin board that says, if you want to volunteer, could, can, can, you can do that. Just contact me. And they said no. And as she was talking, I knew what was happening with the church. What was happening with the church was what she wanted to do didn't fit the model that they had created for what they needed to have happen in their church. It happens. It happens. Sometimes churches need to say no to people. But She went on to tell the story about how it really turned her off to all religion, to Christianity. She left that church and never set foot in it again because she saw them as being so rigid and inflexible and hypocritical that she couldn't relate to that place anymore. She's in a new church now where she's, as I said, very excited. It's very open. She can do the things that she wanted to do with her nonprofits there. It's working well. It's the difference between saying no all the time and being open to the possibility of God's leading. There's a message in that for the church. There's a message 
in that for us as individuals, if she had never been open enough to try again, she would still be wallowing in spiritual questioning. But this series of texts in the seventh chapter of Mark says, open yourselves up to the possibilities that God has for you because it will change your life in ways you have never even imagined before. And when that happens, you won't be able to keep silent for even a second. Thanks be to God. Amen.